What is going on, Cultivate family? I hope you're all doing well wherever you are when you're listening to this today. I have literally just come back from Paris. I spent two days there with my partner. She bought me a ticket to Paris to Disneyland for my birthday because I am a giant child. So we did a day in Paris for her and a day in Disneyland for me. And I am exhausted. It was amazing to have two days off and spend that time with her because we're very much career driven and I'm often very tunnel vision during the week and so is she. So having that protected time together is always really important to us. We got to Disneyland in the morning and it just absolutely pissed it down and loads of stuff was closed, but we still managed to have fun and I still managed to ride my all-time favorite ride, which is the Tower of Terror. So yeah, absolutely buzzing, but I am exhausted. So many steps. And as you all know, I've got this Achilles injury that I've been rehabbing and it really, really flared up. So today I am sleepy, not mentally, just physically. So I've just been catching up with all my lovely one-to-one clients today and doing a bit of programming and I'm going to bring you this podcast. So at the weekend, I did my first ever talk within the fitness industry, as many of you'll know from my stories or if you listened to the last episode because I was super nervous about it. And I'm very, very happy to tell you it actually went really well. I really enjoyed myself. I had such lovely feedback. And although I did miss a couple of my points here and there, I was really happy with how it went. It was very outside of my comfort zone standing up there as a queer trans person speaking to a more general population industry. But everyone was so lovely, so welcoming, so accepting, and I had a really, really great experience. So a big shout out to Sophia and Apollo Nutrition for having me. It was awesome. And so today, as promised, I'm bringing you the talk that I did on Saturday, which was on embracing fitness for all bodies, starting with our own. I really hope all of you enjoy it. So without further ado, let's dive in. So how can all of us embrace fitness for our own bodies? No matter what our fitness level is, our body type or ability is, because at the end of the day, fitness really should be and is for everyone. But there are so many mental and physical barriers that can constantly build up around us And those stop us from pursuing a form of movement that we love or that we might be interested in trying. So what I said to everyone at the talk on Saturday and what I'm going to say to you all in this podcast is I would absolutely love for you to finish this episode and feel empowered to start your own journey and find a form of training that you enjoy if you haven't yet, regardless of the barriers to entry that you might have come across in the past whether that's a barrier that appears for you mentally or if that's a physical barrier put in place by a gym or a specific sport or a fitness space, because we know not all of those spaces are particularly welcoming, especially for the LGBTQ community, especially for my trans family. If you already are doing a sport that you love, but you feel like sometimes you have a few mental barriers, setbacks, projections that do stop you from going all at it, I would love for this podcast today to be the thing that you needed to hear to empower you to go all in with it if that's what you want. So to begin with, I want to play you this excerpt from the Barbie movie. If you haven't seen the Barbie movie, it's wicked. 
And I was really worried when I played this for everyone on Saturday that I'd get called really woke or radical because that's what people tend to throw at me. And that's what a lot of people have thrown at the Barbie movie as well. But this in particular really, really resonated with me. So I'm going to hit play on it now. Have a listen. Like, we have to always be extraordinary. But somehow we're always doing it wrong. Like you have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood, but always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged, so find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard, it's too contradictory, and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. So I did leave the whole clip in because it's just relevant to the world we live in now anyway. However, the thing that really resonated for me when Gloria, America Ferreira's character, said, you have to be thin, but not too thin, and you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. And I really think that sums up where we are in society. Where we're at right now is that people are really trying to include more inclusivity within their marketing, within their media. They're really trying to show more bodies. But there is this seedy, dark underbelly that all comes back to actually being thin. And what a lot of us see all the time is this toxic body positivity that comes from predominantly thin white women a lot of the time who aren't really grasping where the concept of body positivity came from in the first place. And despite seeing a little bit more diversity in sports and fitness and mainstream media for marketing, a lot of that inclusivity isn't necessarily at the forefront. It's often being pushed to the side or it's just being shot down on social media. So how we're seeing fitness represented in the media most of the time is we're seeing Guys completely ripped, low body fat with visible abs, which we know isn't sustainable for 90% of people. We're seeing at the forefront a lot of skinny white women in tight fitting gym clothes. And all of the diversity tends to be pushed in around the sides. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being lean, with being muscular. I'm not shooting that down in any way. But that definitely isn't embracing fitness for all bodies, and it's not a true depiction of all bodies in the way that they move. And then we look at the mainstream media, and the kind of bodies that we see being celebrated the most are once again slim, lean bodies. Think back to that article about heroin chic being bad. 
And then when we look at companies that are really trying to be a little bit more inclusive with all bodies, like Cosmopolitan and Adidas, that Beachbody Ready campaign that resurfaced the other year featuring way more diverse bodies, what happens is it all gets shot down. People use terms about glorifying obesity. People keep saying, is fat acceptance a good thing? Or the drawbacks of excessive body positivity. It's honestly wild. Imagine questioning, is fat acceptance a good thing? Of course it's a good thing. So we're really just stuck in this weird limbo where people are trying to be more inclusive, but it's not ending up that way. And it never is going to be a true representation of all bodies if we carry on the way that we are right now. And bearing everything that I've just said in mind, it's no wonder a lot of the time that we're apprehensive about our own bodies when it comes to fitness. There is very much this overarching feeling that we're not good enough for it. We don't look the part. We don't look athletic enough. We're not fit enough. So I want us to now delve into the why. What actually contributes to that? So first up, we've got diet culture. Now, this isn't a new thing for any of us. This has been around since the 60s, the 70s, predominantly big in the 90s. Now, as you all know, I am a 90s kid. I've had a lot of chat about that with guests on the podcast. And I grew up in a household with Slim Fast, with Weight Watchers, with exercise videos, all about moving your body to burn fat, to burn calories. So many of us grew up with that. And that's contributing. Then we've got the more recent wave of toxic gym and fitness culture. People treating the gym as a way to make your body smaller, but not focusing on all the positives that movement can actually do for your mental health, for your long-term physical health. And then we've got online trolling and body shaming. Again, a topic that comes up all the time in this podcast. And all of you that follow me will know how much this hits me online, especially on Instagram Reels, TikTok, YouTube. We all see people being body shamed online, especially influencers in larger bodies, queer influencers, trans influencers. We see them getting body shamed and trolled constantly. And we then worry that the same thing could potentially happen to us when we walk into a space to move our body. We have this constant fear because if that's happening to people online, why wouldn't it happen to us in person? We often project that on ourselves. What we don't always realize is that a lot of the accounts that are trolling and body shaming, they're hidden behind an account with no profile picture that's private. They're a specific troll account. Very few people would ever do that to someone in person. Why would they do that? Because they don't have the guts. They're just a keyboard warrior and that's why they do it online. Next up, we've got the media and societal pressure. So the advertising and fitness that I just spoke about, the heroin chic articles, putting pressure on us to want to always look a certain way and everything about that way being tailored towards thin and lean. To add to that, we've then got the whole anti-fatness and fat phobia rhetoric that feeds into the media and to trolling. Someone that has been really prevalent in that has been Piers Morgan. And we notice with Piers Morgan, he only ever calls out women in bigger bodies for that. And he's really pushing that fat phobia on everyone, despite being a more plus size man himself. And that feeds into toxic masculinity. 
So this can be looked at both ways. It can firstly be looked at by that macho gym bro culture that we see in the gym, having to be muscly, having to portray this alpha male to be a person that moves their body, does a sport or trains. When sometimes people are happy the way they are, they just want to train to feel good or do a sport because they enjoy it. We also see this in the trans community as something that I've brought up many times about the pressure for trans masculine people to be really, really hench, muscular and lean, which isn't always sustainable and it's not always what everybody wants. It's okay to live in a softer body, but sometimes we feel the pressure to be lean and muscular because that's what we see everybody else doing. That's what we see as the more palatable masculine experience. And because of everything I've just said, there's a huge lack of representation because of that. We're not seeing a lot of that. Whereas if our society was way more accepting of this, we would see it. If all of these whys didn't exist, then they wouldn't be barriers to entry for people like us. So I want us now to think about how that makes us feel. It makes us feel like we're not fit enough, not strong enough, not thin or lean enough, not fast enough, not confident enough. We have a huge fear of being perceived or being judged or someone commenting on us. When I did the episode about gym confidence and taking up space in the gym, one of the main things that you all said was just your general fear of being perceived. That was the most popular reply when I asked what the biggest barrier to entry was. It's really hard to navigate. And the end result of that is that we end up not doing the thing that we love. We have a huge fear of failure and judgment. And that's a really big mental load and constant pressure for us to look the part, which we don't necessarily need in our lives. Down the line, all of this stuff can create really disordered relationships with food and exercise. A lot of you know my story, you know that's exactly what happened to me. And finally, we have no future representation for the people that are coming after us into this world that want to move their bodies and feel accepted regardless of their size or ability or fitness level. I want us to now think about what does fit enough actually mean when someone says, I'm not fit enough to do that, I'm not fit enough to try that. I talk to a lot of people about this when they're signing up to Fuzz Culture Club and they're often worried they're not fit enough to start working with me. But what we've got to remember is that everybody has to start from zero. We have all started from zero at some point with something. Have you ever not done something because you were worried you weren't good enough? I want you to think about that and think what things you may have not done because you were worried you weren't good enough or you weren't going to be good enough at. For me, that was definitely CrossFit. I don't look like a conventional CrossFitter and I was always worried that I wouldn't be good enough to do it. For years and years, I watched the CrossFit games and loved watching it and used to think to myself, I would absolutely love to do that. But I was being shown that elite athletes, the top 40 people in the world, they never showed me the other bodies doing it in the other CrossFit gyms. So I didn't know that that was possible for a body like mine. And it definitely did get to a point where I became a coach and there was no excuse for me to not try it anymore. Because if one of my people came to me and said, Lucinda, I want to try CrossFit, but I'm scared. I would say, go to one class and tell me how you feel. Just try it, dip a toe in. So I had to eventually do that myself and I did start it. And what I realized is a local CrossFit gym 
is maybe the best example of fitness for all bodies. Because when we think about it, we've got people that are 18 years old, all the way up to people that are 70 years old that have been doing it for years, or it's literally their first month in a CrossFit space. Anyone of any age can do that sport, and it's really highly encouraged within the gyms at a local community level. But it doesn't always look like that from the marketing when we're seeing the fittest in the world compete at everything. When I go into my CrossFit gym, I see people of all abilities, of all ages, of all levels, and they're all doing the same workout, but they're scaling it in a way that works for them. That is the true example of fitness for all bodies, something that's accessible, scalable, and that anyone can do, and that everyone is celebrated and rewarded for. And when I say rewarded, I just mean everyone gets a fist bump at the end of the class. Everyone finishes together, everyone starts together. Everyone waits for each other. No one packs their shit down before the last person is done. It's good community vibes, but we're not always shown that and we don't always feel that from the outside. So when we think about it, there is no such thing as fit enough because there was once a time when even the strongest people in the world couldn't do a press up or couldn't squat with an empty bar. There was once a time where the fastest runners in the world were very, very slow. We all start at zero. So once again, if there's one thing you take from this podcast, I do want it to be that if there's a sport or a style of training or a competition you've been telling yourself you can't do because of your ability or body type, I want you to try it anyway. There's never going to be a version of you that will be better equipped in the future. The best version of you to start that sport or that style of training is literally here right now. So if you're one of those people who has that not fit enough mindset or worried that you won't be good at something straight away or worried that you won't look the part, let's remember we've all got to be a bit rubbish at something before we get better. And also no two bodies will ever look the same doing the same form of movement ever because we are all made differently. Our anatomy, our limb length, our bone length, it's all completely different. Next up, I want to move into the misconception of fitness versus body size. So it's pretty firmly instilled in us that smaller bodies are fitter or healthier, but being in a smaller body doesn't make us healthier or fitter than anyone else. And being in a bigger body does absolutely not make us unhealthy or unfit. There is a huge misconception that smaller bodies equal fitness off the back of the not fit enough worries. But the problem is we just see far less bigger bodies in fitness marketing, so we don't always think that's possible. And there's a lot of people out there that insist that anyone with a higher body fat percentage isn't fit, that they can't be. But we know from the evidence that that is absolutely not true. So I'm going to reel off a list of names right now that you can check out if you would like to go and diversify your feed with athletes in bigger bodies that are absolutely smashing it right now. So here's some names for you. Jessamine Stanley is a yoga instructor. Roz Mays is a pole instructor. Beth Robinson is a crossfitter, was on the podcast last week. Myrna Villarreo is a runner. Alana Smith is the non-binary skater that competed in the Olympics more recently. Sarah Robles is an Olympic weightlifter. Prince Fielder is a baseball player. Kelly Roberts is a runner. She's just done an Ironman, absolutely smashed it. And Gong Li Hao is an Olympic gold medal shot putter. 
So check out all those people I've just mentioned if you need a little bit of inspiration for athletes in bigger bodies that are absolutely smashing it right now. They found a form of movement that they loved and that worked for them and they thrived in it despite facing loads of adversity around the size of their body that we're in. So what is the solution to embracing fitness for all bodies, starting with ourselves? Firstly, we want to reframe how we see our bodies. We don't just want to see our bodies as something that is just seen and judged and perceived by other people, because that's going to send us down a very negative hole. We also want to reframe how we see, think, and talk about fitness, because the more people that talk about this in a more inclusive way, the better it's going to be for everyone around them, the more it's going to challenge people that don't embody that themselves. If we're talking about fitness in the same way that most other people are, nothing is going to improve. It's got to start somewhere. So why can't that be ours right now? I want us to think about the bits of our own journey that we can directly control. How we show up for ourselves each day, how we show up for our bodies, how we talk to ourselves and who we choose to surround ourselves with. And lastly, what we choose to opt out of. So for some of us, that might be unfollowing accounts that don't make us feel good or that promote toxic fitness culture or diet culture. So if you've got this far and you're thinking, Lucinda, how the hell do I do that? How do I embrace fitness for my own body? I find it really easy to do it for other people and be supportive of other people's journeys, no matter their ability, body size or fitness level. But I find it really hard to do that for myself. And that's really valid. I see that in so many people that I work with in First Culture Club. But as I said before, we got to start somewhere. We got to start from zero. So my three tips for you to embrace fitness for all bodies, starting with your own. Number one is to forge your own path. A lot of the time we're going to see other people doing forms of movement or sports or training in the gym. And we're going to think that looks sick. I would love to try it. So I want you to encourage yourself to try it. But then if you do try it and you realize it's just not your flavor, then that isn't the end of the world. You haven't wasted time. You haven't wasted money. You tried something and you didn't work for you. A lot of people think that they should go to the gym because that's what they need to do to be fit and healthy. But what we often forget is there are so many other forms of movement that you can do outside of a gym. So if it doesn't feel good for your mind and your body, you do not have to do that. The other thing that we got to remember is that there are multiple training styles that you can do within a gym environment. We've got resistance training, powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, functional fitness, CrossFit, calisthenics. You don't have to go in there and stick to any one thing. You can try a few and see what works for you. A lot of my clients in Fuzz Culture Club really love more functional fitness, whereas some people just love to smash weights. We talk about that when they sign up and we try a few things and we see what's right for them. I've got a person at the moment that wants to dabble with a little bit of calisthenics. So alongside their strength training, we're slowly working more of those body weight movements in and improving them. And I'm programming all their strength work to supplement that. So they're going to improve all round as well as doing a few things that they enjoy all together. Pretty much every coach in the industry is going to agree that strength and cardio both have their purpose for long-term health, but strength doesn't always equal weightlifting and cardio doesn't always equal running. 
So I want you to remember that the first thing that we try won't always be the thing that we stick on. I've got clients that play field hockey, do roller derby, cricket, football, and I have some that just stick to the gym. I have some that are runners. The one thing that they all have in common is they train for their own enjoyment. They want to improve their performance and they train for their overall health and well-being. So I want you to think about forging your own path. And I want you to remember that you don't have to do the things that are more conventional when it comes to your health and well-being. You can do the things that make sense for you. My second tip is to find your people. What spaces make you feel good? What communities feel supportive of you and your goals? And if people aren't supportive or they're shaming you or judging you for your journey, are they actually your people? I talk about this a lot. It's so important who we surround ourselves with. The main thing that I want in Fuzz Culture Club is for everyone to feel comfortable, but also for everyone to lift each other up and feel empowered to share their wins, but also the things that they're finding hard. A lot of us in the trans community don't necessarily have a fitness space that feels perfect for us, but so many online groups and communities exist. And that can be really, really empowering in a world that doesn't feel all that great for us right now. So find your people, find your community. And if someone is not supportive of your journey or may shame or judge you, then maybe you need to set a boundary with them. Consider it. And lastly, less shame and more gratitude. We need to talk to ourselves way better. I need to talk to myself way better. Absolutely. I always have to remind myself of that. Don't shame yourself if you're not great at something and don't shame your body for looking a certain way. It's so normal for our bodies to change in a lifetime. It's so normal for our performance at a certain thing to fluctuate based on what's going on in our lives at the time. We want to practice self-compassion and give ourselves some grace. I definitely am going to do a podcast on self-compassion at some point. We can't be perfect all of the time. We cannot 100% everything. And that's why imperfect action is so important. That's why I'm always banging on about it's fine if you can't nail something. That's why I'm always banging on about if you can't do a 40-minute workout, do a 30-minute one. If you can't do a 30-minute one, do a 10-minute one. If you've not got 10 minutes, fine, fine. And next up, comparison will kill you. You may have heard that saying before. So let's just not even bother. When we compare ourselves to others, we lose sight of what's actually important to us and what we actually like about ourselves. If we're comparing our bodies to the person next to us that's training in the gym from a negative or a positive, what are any of us getting out of that? It starts with us and it ends with us. What you do with your body is no one else's business and we don't need to have this super happy positive attitude about ourselves all the time. We don't have to be buzzing about our performance or our ability all the time, but we can work towards neutrality in that, especially from a body image perspective. Neutrality is a great place to be. So many of us wake up every day and pick ourselves apart in the mirror, or we body check ourselves when we walk past a window. We're all guilty of it. But what if one day you just woke up and felt neutral in your body and grateful for what it can do? The power of body neutrality is severely underrated and again just another podcast episode in itself. So let's talk to ourselves better. 
less shame and more gratitude. And the end result of all that is that we do finally get to a place where we are embracing fitness for all bodies, including our own. We have more body neutrality, more body acceptance. We have more self-compassion and compassion for others. We have more gratitude for what our body can do. We have a lot less fear of being perceived and we care less about what other people think. We have more representation when more people choose to move their bodies in a way that feels good for them, free from judgment. And as a result of that, we have a lot better representation. So the rest of the world might not be there yet with embracing fitness for all bodies, but you can be for yourself and the people around you. So it's really important that we practice this stuff day to day and pave the way for everything that's going to come after us, for everyone that's going to enter fitness spaces afterwards. What I always found really cool is anytime I went to a gym and I saw someone training in a band t-shirt of a band that I like, I think mainly it was because at school I was kind of teased for being like an emo or a mosher and that was associated with me maybe not being very capable to do sports or to train or to work out. And then if I went into the gym and I saw a more alternative person training, that would make me feel really good. I was like, yeah, another one of them, solidarity. Another one is when you go into the gym and you like maybe see someone that has like a sports shirt or a t-shirt design that's maybe got like the progressive pride flag on it. Again, that's just such a small thing that can put another queer person at ease. And I absolutely love seeing stuff like that. So wear the band tees, wear the queer merch. You have no idea how helpful or how comfortable that might make a nervous person that's a little apprehensive about coming into that space. So I hope this has been helpful for you all. And I hope this has given you a little bit of food for thought. I know it's really easy to celebrate everybody else's bodies, but our own sometimes but I really want you to think about the way that you can embrace fitness for your body specifically because it starts with you and it ends with you. Have an amazing rest of your week, Cultivate Family. Take it easy. I'm out.